one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering community for salt. This is the Howling Salt Mine. It's the Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine, everybody. The podcast where we delve into those salty, salty mines of the Magic the Gathering community, find the saltiest stories, the saltiest posts, the saltiest whatever we can find. Put them in our minecart. Wheel the minecart to the elevator in the mine. Put it in. Then you also have to get in the minecart. Press the up button. Minecart goes up. We get out of the minecart. And then we deliver those to you, our dear, dear prospectors at home. Wait, as always, in the minecart. Excuse me? They were you just said they might be in the minecart too. I mean, if they want to go for a ride in the minecart, that's fine. Hmm. Just keep your arms and legs inside the minecart at all times. Okay. And I'm your host, Sam. <laughs> and, and as always, I'm joined by Tony and Mike. Say hey, guys. What up, what up, what up? Howdy. Sup, boys? What's going on? What's new? Has anyone else been playing Baldur's Gate? Because I'm losing my mind about it. <laughs> no spoilers. Well, so-and-so shows up and then so-and-so dies. I think I can pull that off without some spoilers, honestly. Yeah. I think the biggest spoiler I can give to everyone is that have enough room on your fucking PC <laughs> when you go to download it. Because it's fucking huge. <laughs> How big is it? Well, it's like 128 gigs. Like we Ooh, were. That won't fit on my Steam Deck, dude. Were we recording? <laughs> No, we were just like chatting. We were on a Zoom call and all of a sudden my internet was like fucking shitting the bed and like the vi- the video was going out. I was like, what is going on? And then I was like, oh, it's because I'm downloading this fucking 130 gig goddamn game. This absolute <laughs> monster. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't played it yet, but I want to. <laughs> it's just like a Switch. Like I haven't gotten the Switch, but at least I, I have bought Baldur's Gate. It'll probably take me like a couple Years. weeks to months before <laughs> i actually play it yeah but aren't you getting married in a couple months mm. Mm. that is a barrier it feels like i'm entering this weird stage of life where it feels like things have to wait until after the wedding yeah like, i can't start Baldur's gate right because like mm. i'm gonna like not be able to play how i want to play which is no lifing it yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just need Mike to beat it and then Steven and I and Mike will play it after that. <laughs> I'll be there in like three more weeks. You're going to beat it in three weeks? From now, maybe. Damn. I'm already 35 hours into the game. The problem is I have a good friend that I am perfectly able to almost almost every night hit the like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. slot. <laughs> It's a dangerous slot. It's a dangerous <laughs> slot. It's a dangerous slot. Recently, it's been ending at midnight because I've been being very adult Ooh. about it. Wow. Yeah. So right? what do you do for the other two hours of your night? Sleep. <laughs> I've been I've been sleeping these days. It's wow, kind of crazy. Wow. Weird. Yeah. I know you Hashtag don't do that, thing. Sam. I know you don't sleep. Hey, I sleep. I sleep sometimes. I just wake up at six. Yeah, I feel like Sam never sleeps, which is like insane. That's the crazy thing. Like... I sleep from midnight to six. I get my six <laughs> hours. 
<laughs> but even then, like that's like not a lot, and like it, six hours is so many hours. <laughs> six is you, a lot. You, of hours. You, I just feel like you like function well with like not a lot, and I I don't. That's all I need, dude. <laughs> Sometimes I'm envious of that skill. It feels like a skill. Hashtag achievement unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> subsist on six hours of the, sleep the problem is i wake up and then i still don't eat breakfast until like 8 30 or 9 and when i finally eat it i'm like so hungry and i'm like why am i like nauseous with hunger and it's because i've been awake for like two or three hours and yeah. i just haven't eaten any food <laughs> why do you wait are you like waiting for your wife i don't know i'm just like dicking around man mm. like usually caroline like went to work already you know I'm just like <laughs> mowing the lawn. I'm just like <laughs> reading. <laughs> reading, get a quick mow in before he. Uh, before not with the, the day in the grass, man. That's gonna that's gonna clog. That's gonna clog. it's gonna clog the Crocs. <laughs> you can't mow in Crocs. <laughs> I mean, you can. You can if you're a madman. If you want to really feel that cut grass, you mow no, in Crocs. No. That's such a mess. You got to use. You got to use like the dad shoes. You know. You got to use like the classic like trainer sneakers. You got to. Mm. Got to rock those like new balance white new yeah. balance that you are need, stained you need green. a white new balance exactly yeah yeah. Yep. yeah you need to wear your old sneakers that you've kept specifically just to mow the lawn in that's what you got to do actually it's funny because i do have i take it back now because i do have a I have like Croc branded sneakers that I mow the lawn in. <laughs> so, I, so I guess all of us were kind of true uh, or correct in that that situation. But yeah. Interesting. Can you mow the lawn in Baldur's Gate 3, Mike? You can pick herbs. That's kind of mm. close, right? Mm. You can light some grass on fire. Interesting. That's like basically close. the same. Kind of. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a chore. <laughs> Sounds like a pleasant, <laughs> pleasant time. Uh, Baldur's Gate, not a chore. Uh, way too enjoyable to be a chore. Can you cut trees? There, can you no, become proficient you in tree cutting? You can't become I won't like proficient it. in woodcraft. Yeah, that's not a D and D thing. Doesn't dude. even sound fun. No, but it is great for for people that do enjoy D and D. Like, it's even got a nice, satisfying D twenty animation, which is like oh, mm. it like literally rolls a die. Yeah. yeah, you roll a die. It like rolls a die on the for screen. Like checks. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, sick. for checks. Like all I the. I did checks... watch a streamer play. Like yeah, I, I know how D twenties are used in D and D guys, but I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. How... yeah. <laughs> like when you're making an attack roll, you roll a D twenty, and you see, um, mm -hmm. like what you number you roll, and then you compare it to the opponent AC, uh, and you add and certain that? modifiers. AC would be armor class. Okay. okay. Uh, and it so... happens on attacks too. Oh my yeah. god, Tony. Tony. <laughs> Tony, no, I watched I watched the I watched somebody play and it didn't seem like oh it, and it, it wasn't happening on like Oh in the game. Yeah. Right. Baldur's Gate doesn't have actual rolling for attack rolls. That's the one where it just it rolls under the hood. It's still using that kind of chances, but yeah, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't that's animate what I'm talking about. I'm talking for about you. Baldur's Gate. Fuck the D. Like I know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. I know what I'm doing. Cut his Whoa. mic. Cut his Fucking mic. At me right now. Oh yeah, please do. Just pre-throwing shade at our potential future content. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> <laughs> my turn to no butt. Somebody's got to do it. This segment needs to You've end. You've been waiting. You've been waiting to no butt. Yeah, something. I've been fucking seething over here. You're, you're grumpy, man. Yo, uh, hey, hey, listeners. I opened it up with a great bit, tons of energy, <laughs> and Tony and Mike were like, no. And then I was like, all right, well, <laughs> fuck you guys. These guys are hacks, man. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's great. This is uh, good because we get to start with a, a live demonstration. A little salt. Instead of our, our typical explanation. <laughs> Sam is so bad. <laughs> you guys are supposed to meet my energy, dude. And and, yeah. and instead you uh you didn't. Instead you failed me. I'm sorry. In our defense, we felt ambushed. I felt ambushed. Welcome to the show, baby. I'm gonna ambush you sometimes. It's showbiz. <laughs> it's showbiz, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Wanna see your name up in lights, dude? You better yes and in the big city. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes and should we talk about some salty stories <laughs> no <laughs> um i guess we should yeah i think i've recovered emotionally from the the thrashing that i got from you guys earlier in this this record <laughs> the, session the verbal lashing yeah the absolute thrashing that i got yeah we're gonna talk about salt but sam What's salt? Salt is when you come to your homies with a great bit <laughs> and they and Sam, first you're supposed to say, Tony, that was great. Well, it wasn't. This is oh, <laughs> oh, oh. I see how this so episode's much rage gonna be. In this, this man's heart. <laughs> uh no, it was great, Tony. Thank you. Whoa, I don't need the fucking sarcasm. I need your pity afterwards. <laughs> All right, let me let me uh <clears throat> let me take that line again. Yeah. Lube the throat and say it again. Whoa, God. Oh my God, Tony. Now I'm not even gonna say it, man. Oh, I, yeah. I was just trying to bring it back. You lost your <laughs> What were you trying to bring back? Yeah, what were you trying to bring back? What did we the lose loop, that you need to bring back? <laughs> you know what this you know what this episode is really missing? A little bit of throat lube. <laughs> Mike, don't egg him on. <laughs> the egg is on. Oh no. <laughs> no. It's all it's all wrong. Uh, salt is frustration in the game. Uh, salt, is, salt is when you're playing a precon and someone pub stomps you and uh, you, you get mad. Yeah. Salt is all those things. I think I'm oh. at my month contractual one where I don't have to actually define salt this episode. So um, I won't. Nice. Gotcha. Like that. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about salt from the small grains to the full shakers folks we're going to be talking about salty stories salty confessionals that you sent us we get them from all over the internet we're getting them from reddit we're getting them from our gmail we're getting them from our patreon oh shit you know where else we're getting them from our website our new hey, website. website and hey. talk about talk about things we should have opened the show with talk about bearing the lead here i totally missed it <laughs> yeah we have a new website guys it is thehowlingsaltmine.com or howlingsaltmine.com. You can put the the on there and it's fine. We don't even mind if you put the the because <laughs> you'll still find your way. Do it. Do it. <laughs> and what's cool about the website? Well, listener, uh, we have sleeves for sale. We have Howling Salt Mine custom dragon shields with our gorgeous, gorgeous podcast art. Shout out to JD Burnett. Right on the back. We've been playing with them for a couple months now and they're super high quality dragon shield custom sleeves always come out gorgeous and lovely uh we are not sponsored but we do stand by the product hashtag sponsored hashtag sponsored hashtag sponsored 
And <laughs> I know you feel the power when you say it. I know you like it. That's you can't even fucking fool me. Oh it's a potent hashtag. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. Come check it out. You can also submit your salty stories there. You can also check out our bios. We got our Moxfield links on there. It's just, it's a new era. Episode 61. Now we have a website. Now we are, uh, you know, like a little company. We're doing our thing. Is it like Cretaceous or like Mesozoic? Like which era are you vibing? Hmm. I think we're fucking Jurassic right now. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I do. I like that. I think that. we're in our Slay era. <laughs> oh, obviously. I'm always in the Slay era. Oh, yeah. You could, you could call me <laughs> Princess Slayer. Am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> yes mike <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> we get into this bad boy? Let's, let's do it get into the pun deeper tony or get into the actual podcast uh, whichever you want baby girl wow never felt so loved i'm fresh out of puns so yeah me too let's uh let's fucking get into it but definitely check out our website it's going to be linked in the show notes from now on it's going to be on our link tree we have sleeves on there now. We hope to have a bunch of different things on there in the future, like play mats, all that kind of stuff. You know, we're we're looking to expand. We're looking to get sweet, sweet, salty Howling Salt Mine merchandise into your gaming fingers. So you can rock it out at the LGS. Your crusty Cheeto fingers. <laughs> exactly. Don't you want to rub some Cheeto dust on a Howling Salt Mine card sleeve? Yes. It makes it vintage. You can. You can pack those things with with Cheeto dust. <laughs> you imagine just like, and you're like fucking mana crypt. You're just crumbling Cheeto dust into the just put a full slide. Cheeto in and then crush it flat into your Howling Mine. Into your Howling Mine. Of course, of I should course. actually do that. It Double actually Cheeto. Howling Mine actually makes you draw two additional cards at the beginning of your draft step if you have Cheeto dust crusted yeah. into it, and, and three additional if it's in a Howling Salt Mine sleeve. Yeah, so. yeah. it's true. It's a ten. 10 if it's on a Howling Salt Mine playmat. Hashtag yeah, not oh. available yet. Yeah, not available. <laughs> Hashtag sponsored. <laughs> and then if you're wearing a Howling Salt Mine shirt, it is back down to five at that point. Uh, we won't explain why, yeah. but you know. Yeah, it's it's complicated. It's like a rights yeah. issue, but you yeah. know, it's in the contract. <laughs> Do be careful out there, folks. Yep. All right, this is enough like fucking... Fuck around. Good luck yeah. editing, Sam. Yeah, this is enough fuck around. <laughs> I salute you, sir. Hi, Sam, in the editing room. Sorry that took you so long. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, guys. I appreciate the chaos. All right. Well, let's dip into it, guys. Our first story, uh, we're going to dip into our Patreon for this one. And this one comes to us from our buddy PNKAS. Oh, how do you say this? PNKSSBTZ. Pink Bits. Pink's Bits. <laughs> Punk ass butts. <laughs> I think it's pink's bits, but with no vowels. Anyways. I think it's punk ass butts with no vowels. <laughs> Dude, it could be punk ass butts with no vowels. And Thank cool you. Yes. Yeah, it, that, that fits. That I know. fits. Um, all right. So punk ass butts <laughs> to us <laughs> with a salty story. And the salty story goes. Hello, Sam, Mike, and Tony. First of all, I love your podcast as it always leaves me with a chuckle on commute to and from work. 
Oh, thank you. I'm lucky in that I play Commander every Friday night with an awesome group of friends for about three years now. Hey, us too. But on that's Tuesdays. a long game. <laughs> dude, <laughs> fucking nice. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one, Mike. Hey, hey, dude, credit where credit's due. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> there are usually between four and eight players who regularly show up. The players are very diverse with their deck choices, and we've kind of hit a medium where everybody's decks are close to the same level in strength, so power mismatches aren't too common. Only when someone brings a new deck that they're still figuring out. Normally, our games are very fun, with some crazy plays happening often. However, one player, who I shall refer to as WAC, W-A-A-C, win at all costs, is very A-game and always tries to go for the win over fun. Now, Wack is a cool guy to hang out with, but sometimes his card choices, game decisions, and lines of play put me into assault-induced rage. One example of him trying to exert his A-game is how he likes to play Felden of the Third Path, taking advantage of the loot or rummage cards like Faithless Looting to dump big things into his graveyard so he can copy them with Felden and hitting you with a Blightsteel Colossus on turn three or Tyrant of Discord or other bullshit. I have to be very careful whenever he casts one of these spells or discards, because he'll often not announce what he's discarding mm. and be sneaky by placing another card on top to mm. hide what is in his graveyard. And then he whines and bitches whenever I ask what is in his graveyard, which brings me to the moment of salt burning inquiry. This salt merchant somehow seems to get burning fucking inquiry in his opening hand. Not always, but very often. I can't begin to tell you how many times he's cast it in a game before I've ever had a single turn, only to end up discarding almost all, if not all, of my lands. If you're unlucky, you can basically get out of the game before you've ever had a turn. I cannot begin to describe the rage I was filled with when he first started playing this card. He thinks it's hilariously funny and smiles every time he plays it now. I've rule zero asked him several times to remove it from his deck, but every time we meet up again, he puts it right back in and pretends that he thought it was just for that game. Anyways, the rage he filled me with was so bad at one point that I made a Reaper King deck with flicker loops for changelings just for him. I specifically only target his lands when I use my commander <laughs> flickers, leaving the uh... other players alone. I've recently tried bribing him <laughs> by giving him a crackle with power to replace the burning inquiry. We'll see how that goes, though. Hmm. How would this make you all feel? Okay. Before we say anything. <laughs> Let's read Burning Inquiry. Yes. Uh, so Burning Inquiry is a one-mana sorcery. costs one red. It says each player draws three cards, then discards three cards at random. So it's basically like a little baby mini wheel for a chunk With of gamble. your hand. For the most tossed part. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some gamble tossed in there. Yeah, I was gonna say it feels more like gamble. I love this card, honestly. Uh it's interesting to see such a, a firm negative reaction to this card. Like, yeah, it can do this thing where yeah. you draw three cards and you kind of carefully kept a hand, and then you get some unlucky discards and it disrupts your your plan. But you're not down on cards and like your graveyard's a little filled up. So if you have any way of interacting with that, you're sort of at an advantage. So it's like it is it is pretty just chaos. You know, it's not really doing. Yeah. 
negative things to you explicitly and it might draw you into cards you're excited for but it is most frustrating on a turn one play like this because you've carefully kept a hand usually you've kept a hand you're happy with and then it hits you right then uh, and disrupts you at like that really crucial time well that's what i was going to say when you have this happen to you at the very beginning of the game that's kind of also when you're most vulnerable you are relying on what you kept, right? You're like, okay, I have pieces to go find the things I need. I have like enough lands. Like honestly, losing like one land in the beginning, if you're like three or four deep, you need three or four turns to like get another one can like really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes, yeah, you only need two mana to do it, but you still need the two to like start yeah. going off and like ramping and drawing cards, blah, 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 blah. But I would be pretty salt induced if this was happening to me especially if it yeah. felt like it was happening on a semi-regular cadence you start to be like what's going on but at the same time you got to trust the people you're playing with and like i i feel like i have decks and mike has decks where like every single time it seems like i get oh, a yeah. fucking turn one sarah ascendant and every single it time it feels like my mike gets do that a- you don't think my decks do that, Tony? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't think of what your card was, but I could think Luminarch yeah. Ascension for Mike and Sarah Ascendant for me as oh, cards yeah. that like always feel like they're hitting mm-hmm. on like turn one and turn two when we play decks that have them. I feel like it's Mox Amber or Bloodthirsty Battle Axe for me with my Roger Arden deck. Definitely <laughs> Bloodthirsty Battle Axe. Yeah. 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 And sort of Hearth and Home, but that's just because you're tutoring it. I tutor the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm getting that every single time. But yeah, I, I do think that people have that. And I really like what you said there, Tony. Like, you do have to kind of trust your play group. Like, hopefully, you're not playing with someone who would cheat. It also doesn't sound like uh, punk-ass, what do we say it was? Punk-ass bits? <laughs> punk-ass butts? Punk-ass butts. <laughs> that can't be it. That can't actually Pinkus be it. Bits. I, I think Pinkus Bits isn't like saying that their opponent is cheating. But it's a frustrating card. Yeah. The fact that it's kind of random, too. I think is annoying because sometimes it might hit your land drops. Sometimes it might not hit your land drops. Like sometimes it could really fuck up your game plan. Sometimes it could give you a better game plan. You know, sometimes mm. it draws you into soul ring and you're like, nice. Yeah. I think the, the thing about this, that like this post that really kind of sets me off is the, yep. I agree. I agree before you even say it <laughs> <laughs> being scummy about what's in your yard. Like, it's it's by rules an open zone right so like that information is public it's honestly it's like good form to play your graveyard where all the cards are visible especially if you interact with it or have like reanimation in the command zone yeah like that's that's actually just kind of good form for it to be like an open hand on the side but to to deliberately be kind of snarky and mean and weird about it that would skew your entire perception of that player from then on. So then they cast Burning Inquiry and you're like, what is going on? This is some bullshit. That's messed up. Yeah. It kind of gives you like shit colored glasses for the the whole situation. Exactly. Like mental misstep exists for the Burning Inquiry. You don't have any recourse to someone being kind of scummy while like piloting their deck. Mm. Yeah. This kind of speaks to like something that I absolutely hate, and I'm sure you guys would agree with me, which is people just not saying what they're doing when they're playing the game, whether it's they're putting Mm -hmm. something into their graveyard or they're casting a spell or what have you. Like, I don't need you to say like individual land taps, you know, and like narrate everything, but we've all seen game nights. We've all seen playing with power and shit. Like, you know what you're supposed to be saying. If you're taking game actions, 
you should be saying the game actions you're taking. People aren't going to be like watching your board like a hawk as you silently play through your turn and just guessing at what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I absolutely hate that shit. But it's also hard because like over webcam, a lot of times you can't even fully see what's going on. So I feel like when somebody targets something in my graveyard, because I have a couple of decks that are like very graveyard heavy. And sometimes my graveyard's huge. Like there's so many things like they wouldn't even have a way unless I told yeah. them like, like usually I'll break it down to like, okay, here's the three things that are in here right now that realistically yeah. you would want to do something These about. Are like the and juicy like, targets. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not just going to be like, oh, you could hit my lands uh because they're <laughs> valuable to me like it's just like fucking shitty you know like you just gotta highlight it yeah if yeah. you win a game because you lied to your friends or yeah because, do you feel good about that <laughs> yeah this isn't a game of subterfuge like it's fucking <laughs> magic the gathering like yeah. just play the play the game and if you can't win without lying then your deck sucks and you're a bad player <laughs> <laughs> it's true i will go back to one thing that you were saying sam of like we've all seen playing with power command zone or whatever one thing is that content magic is actually good inspiration for a few habits and that one <laughs> is actually a habit that is reasonable to bring over to your normal gameplay like it seems like it might just be something that's like oh they're doing this because they're playing on stream and it's like no they're actually doing this because it is a best practice while you're playing mm -hmm. to at least narrate things that you're putting on the stack not only is it going to help like a viewer understand what's going on like if you're watching a twitch stream or something of people playing magic you want them to at least be like saying what they're doing so you can mm -hmm. follow it you know so you don't have to watch the screen like a hawk playing in a pod is no different you should be narrating what you're doing you don't have to go crazy with it uh, you don't need to be like, and then I die to rampaging Ferocidon, you know, but, <laughs> but you can, but you can, but you and can. probably should at the end, <laughs> like anytime you die, you probably should be doing that. But like having that as a best practice, I just think that that is something that we talk about a lot. That is just being a courteous opponent. It's giving your opponents the information that they need to still win without giving up too much and giving them any advantage. Like, Presumably that's information that they should still have that they should just, they should know what's in your graveyard. They can ask at any time. Like people can ask what's in your graveyard at any time and you need to provide that information. Yeah. And in particular, it's when you're putting it in, it's like, once I put it in the graveyard in that moment, I should be saying, okay, I am yeah. discarding two cards for Faithless Looting. One of them is a fucking Eldrazi Titan, and one of them is a land. Like, I have to say it then. I don't need to say it every turn. I don't need to say it, like, every two seconds. But when yeah, I'm putting exactly. it in, like, when you're guess putting what? It in, time to fess up. Like, and someone's asking when someone is asking you. That's the yeah. good time. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yep. Well, what do we think about the salt rating here? I have one more thing to say about this. Oh, is it about blowing up this guy's lands because he was doing the shit? One, the <laughs> other crazy thing about this post is someone throwing rocks at your windows and you coming out with a shotgun and blasting at them. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. With, with the Reaper King deck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Reaper King deck. Like, I suppose you're going to get by with self-defense in some states on that charge, but like, yeah. that's pretty intense. If I'm your judge, I probably would let it slide. <laughs> Which well, speaks yeah, to me, you're but... a very spiteful person. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll allow it. <laughs> I don't think any salt really warrants building like a hate deck and ruining someone's play experience because you're just doing yeah. what they did to you. And like, you know, golden rule, turn the other cheek kind of shit. 
sure it's funny like once or twice but don't, don't like, keep say, like doing it. i let it go once but like <laughs> if don't keep bringing it out like <laughs> also i do just want to throw out that that sounds like the most vanilla felden of the third path deck i've ever heard like yeah if if they weren't putting stuff in their graveyard and reviving it why are they even playing felden like that is right. the whole point that is what that deck's gonna do and the blightsteel colossus is like that's like the card the crown that you jewel play. of cards yes, that yeah. you like do it the with. crown jewel totally yeah. like what does that it is cost the, to the thing you revive no because it gets shuffled into your library right no you can you can revive a blight steel with felden oh if you do it at you do it in speed? response to the trick gotcha yeah yeah, yeah. so felden costs three mana himself he's one and two red uh legendary creature human artificer yeah he's got an activated ability that is two mana and one red mana tap him Create a token that's a copy of target creature card in your graveyard, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. It gains haste, sack it at the beginning of the next end step. So it's super powerful. I mean, with Blightsteel, uh, it does have that trigger, right, Mike? Yeah. So with Blightsteel, you do... Have to Could ask me, I know rules. <laughs> Silence on. fell on the crowd. Come on, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I can't yes and that, Tony. <laughs> yeah, come, come on. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. But yeah, you can respond to that trigger and like revive it out. So I, I will just say Felden decks built that way are strong. Like there's no, no one is saying that like popping out a Blight Steel or Tyrant of Discord that early in a game isn't game warping. But at the same time, it's a super telegraphed deck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that just is how Felden decks play. It sounds like a pretty average Felden deck to me. Mm-hmm. play some graveyard hate like if you rest in peace or bajukabog this guy he's gonna be he's gonna oh, be hell yeah. also i've never really played against burning inquiry to the extent that it's like made me salty but we've had games against winds of change yeah which have been like busted i think don't Pat let your friend played... listen to this episode yeah yeah well <laughs> it's not going to help felden <laughs> winds of change is one oh, red right. each player shuffles the cards from their hand into their library then draws that many i think pat has played that on turn one two or three times yep and mm-hmm. i can think of one game where nick was playing his Bruvac mill deck we played a game he had a bad mulligan and just kind of kept a bad hand and it was sort of like a bummer of a game and he was like i didn't do anything like let me play again maybe it was his team blue deck his blue planeswalker deck uh, but anyways, we're like, okay, let's shuffle up again. Let's do it one more time. We play. And turn one, Pat cast Winds of Change. And Nick Nick has to like shuffle away his great hand. And he just gets another shitty hand. And he didn't do yeah. anything that game either. It was like, <laughs> man, that fucking sucks. Like your whole hand changed is brutal. That one's also so vicious because particularly re- relevant in CDH. But when people mull down to like five, greedily yeah. to try oh, yeah. and get the right sculpted hand they keep the five cards so they don't go up at all but now it's like garbage five cards yeah it's terrible i ran that card in locust god but it, it i mm. never cast it on turn one that like wasn't something i wanted to do ever because it right. it's a it's a chaos play because you disrupt yeah. your own first turn as well yeah yeah that just feels good in those kinds of decks where it's like, okay, give me a new hand so I can draw more and get all the fucking locusts and like do yep. all the fucking things and just like, it's happening, <laughs> you know. But anyway, what do we, what do we feel about the salt rating on this one? High for me, man. Yeah. If anyone is being disingenuous with their board state, which is what this person is doing with their graveyard, 
that is wicked frustrating. And, and yeah. I will say, like, a Blightsteel summoned out by Felden fucking sucks to face. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that is a classic Felden deck, but also, yeah, that that is a bummer. It's fucking strong. But yep. the, the thing with the dishonesty is really bugging me. That that would yep. be like, I don't know. I would I would rage on that person for sure. Yeah. And I think, honestly, for me, the other part of this that makes it pretty high salt is uh, you can't really fix social situations with game actions easily. Like, it's not really mm-hmm. something you can do. Uh, so building a whole Reaper King deck to try and spite it, like... <laughs> Uh, you know, power to you, but it's it's not the way I would approach a situation like this. I do love that there's like some redeeming hope, sweetness of like trying to get them to switch it out by offering another card and things like that. I think yeah, I think that's I like nice. That. I like that that you're you're clearly engaging in good faith, trying to get them to change it. But I think the other thing to do is just like kind of just accept it. Get get inquired sometimes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one gets stomped by a deck and then looks up into your eyes and says, you know what, I'm going to take that Burning Inquiry out of my deck. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, usually if your friends complain enough, you'll do it, though. Right, <laughs> right. You blowing up all my lands really makes me want to not run the card that you dislike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, another one? Let's do it. So this next one comes to us from Gmail. And the post is titled, I Busted Out Laughing. And this one comes to us from our buddy Vincent. And the story goes, Hey there, Salty crew. Been listening to the Salty Stories and loving it. So I decided to share about what happened at an LGS tournament that had me laughing out loud. I went to a tournament at my LGS and ended up in a pot of three. Myself, Guy, and Gal. We can do better names than that, can't we? Should we do... No, Guy Fieri, isn't it? Okay, Guy Fieri and Guy Fieri and Gal Gadot. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Star studded. It was right there. Star studded group. I'm going to go to a diner after this. <laughs> we played a game before for the tourney and now are just playing for fun. Guy Fieri was running an Urza Chief Artificer deck. As he would, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a flavor town list right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he should really be on the food precon, though. Wait. <laughs> Guy Fieri was running an Urza Chief Artificer deck that spat out artifacts and constructs for both the tournament and for the fun game. Gal Gadot switched to a Prismatic Bridge deck. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> and I switched to an Ultra Magnus Tactician. Okay, uh, one of the Transformers. Uh, an Ultra Magnus Tactician deck to fight against his artifact deck. While we were playing our games, I noted some interesting things about Guy Fieri. His hair. His bowling (laughs) (laughs) The burger he kept pulling out of his pocket. (laughs) While he piloted the deck quite well for his strategy, he seemed to not be as well-informed about Magic the Gathering in general. I felt like maybe he picked up the game in the last year or two and still needed more advanced knowledge about the game. Like how he only used the Shorakai to loot on his turn instead of on his opponent's end step. And when I pointed it out to him, he didn't realize that he could do that. He had some trouble figuring out which abilities could be used at instant or sorcery speed. Another thing is that he told me that one time while playing with his friend group, one of his friends was yelling at him that he couldn't do that, but Guy Fieri claimed that he could, and his friend got salty and was about to throw hands with them before they got pulled apart. Damn. Okay. Whoa. Hands? Throw hands like fisticuffs? Damn. Would Guy Fieri be scrappy? 
super scrappy. Are you kidding me? Probably. Have you seen how stout that man is? I think Guy Fieri would just absorb all of the blows. <laughs> His frosted tips are razor sharp also. Yeah, that, yeah. Now that is true. He's he's like a... Well, Tony, we already established that you don't really know anything about Faerun or D&D, but Mike... This would be like a dwarven battle rager, basically, mm-hmm. with the spiked yeah. armor. Am I right, dude? Yeah, and resistance right? to bludgeoning damage for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> During our game, Guy Fieri was dominating, spitting out artifacts and constructs like he did in the tourney, and attacking me with them, while my deck was still ramping to bring out big artifact creatures. Gal Gadot, unfortunately, was missing land drops and wasn't able to put any creatures on the field, Oof. but later managed to cast an artifact that has an activated ability to let her put artifact creatures from her hand onto the battlefield. I'm pretty sure I know which one she's talking about. I finally hit the jackpot when I brought out Mycosynth Golem, giving my artifact creatures I cast affinity for artifacts. With Garuk's Uprising, I was able to draw every time I dropped a big artifact creature creating a huge board before finally running out of gas. Guy and Gal now saw me as the threat and started talking with each other on how to stop me. Gal Gadot says, he looks like the threat now. Guy Fieri responds, don't worry, I got a card in my hand that will stop him. And Gal responds, okay, you better play it then. Guy Fieri then triumphantly proceeded to play Karn, the great creator. Me, Karn, huh? It's a good thing my artifact creatures don't have activated abilities. Gal. Yeah, your card is actually screwing me over. (laughs) (laughs) Guy Guy Fieri was confused. (laughs) With Karn in play, Gal couldn't use her one artifact to bring out a creature from her hand to protect her. I think Guy thought that Karn would somehow stop me from growing my board or saw my mere battle sphere as an immediate threat because he seemed focused on it for some reason. On my turn, I decided not to attack with my creatures since my life was in the teens and Guy Fieri still had a chance to take me out if left unblocked. We're getting deep in here, guys. I had to math out how to block so I could stay alive. Guy Fieri's turn comes. He goes to the combat phase and goes directly at Gal Gadot, taking her out of the game. I was stunned. I thought he was going to go for me since I had the lower life count, then take Gal out next. Gal just stared daggers at him gave him the finger and said, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I busted out laughing while Guy was apologizing to her profusely, even offering to buy her a soda for the betrayal. I told him that it's okay, she can handle it, and Gal noted that she could see Guy taking her out first since she was wide open and was upset that she was not able to do anything at all for the entire game. The game ended two turns later in my favor, and post-game, while he was opening Brothers War Packs, Guy tosses Gal a pack again an apology, but Gal refuses. And that is the interesting thing that happened to me at an LGS. Thanks for reading and keep salting. Nice. I love this story. It's a little bit of sugar here. This is great. I love that. Sounds like betrayal. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Betrayal and remorse, but 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 we like that. Oh, we like that. Wait. This is why Mike likes it, because he's a fucking deal breaker. Oh, oh my God. I forgot about that. That's oh why Mike fucking likes this shit. Oh, I boy. forgot about that. How dare you forget? <laughs> I thought I was going to make it. <laughs> no wonder you silenced me at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> and, and Tony, Tony, thank you for coming back around and bringing it up again. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Bring up the real deets. <laughs> 
My yeah. fucking god. Uh, yeah, that's a really interesting thing. Let's okay. Let's pause this story real quick. We'll <laughs> we'll be back to you in a minute, Vincent. <laughs> so last week we're playing a game. Uh, I I forget the exact board states, but Nick is playing Mogus, so that's all you really need to know. We're all just yeah. suffering <laughs> and slowly dying. Yeah. <laughs> I know is Nick's at like 38. We're all kind of low. And Nick has like, you know, a field of enchantments where spreading plague. Yep. Yeah. So Nick had a spreading plague out, which I'll read right now. I'm so glad you brought this up, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> so Nick had a spreading plague out, which is a five mana black enchantment costs four and one black. And it says whenever a creature comes into play, Destroy all other creatures that share a color with it. They can't be regenerated. So I was playing my food pre-con. So I'm on Abzan. Mike, what were you playing? I was playing Perry. Perry, yep. So you had Bant. So we had some pretty decent color overlap. Nick, of course, had no creatures other than Moses. Cool. I wasn't die. even in the game. I don't matter. I wasn't, yeah. Um, I think I think you were. I think you were dead. I was in the game. I was in the game. I think you you were you were alive when no, the deal I was met, made. You were I dead alive. at a later point. Were you playing Zyrus? No, I was playing fucking Yurlock. So we all had green. Oh, so that if you green. played a green yeah. creature, it would have wiped the whole board. Yeah. So so we each had like a pretty meager board states. Nick dropped this. It went to me, and I was like, okay, I could play something right now, but it's gonna fuck up Tony's board gonna fuck up mike's board and we need to be like team up buddies right now and go after the arch enemy so i make a deal and say that we won't trigger the spreading plague until nick is dead until the spreading plague is gone but yes yes until the spreading plague is gone was it i think it was until he was dead but no it, it it's was still true it's still until the spreading, anyway, plague, was still true. The spreading plague was gone yeah still a deal breaker um. uh, i think i just said spreading plague but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good, good thing I didn't repeat it or anything or draw attention to it. Yeah, yeah, good thing. So we play pretty harmoniously through, I don't know, like four or five turns. And Nick is wicked frustrated that no one's playing into it. We're doing a pretty good job. We're knocking Nick down. He gets some things out that like are burning us like crazy, like upkeeps are cutting our life totals in, in half. We can't gain life. These are very important to the story. <laughs> yeah, we're losing half of our life and yeah. taking two damage at the beginning yep. of each upkeep. And then we're taking damage on Nick's upkeep, too. Mm -hmm. I think it was like four, five, or six. I Descent into Avernus. So it was, it. it was doubling each, each time we got to Nick's turn. All of these upkeep triggers were just like crushing us, basically. So we get to this point where Nick is basically going to die on his upkeep. He just doesn't have enough life. So all we need to do is just pass to beat him. I have like a decent board state. I'm also on the life gain deck. And even though I can't gain life, I was still at like a pretty healthy total from previously gaining life. And Mike, I think you, it hit your upkeep and you were at one life. Can I jump in triggers. with the turn order here? So I have a lighthouse chronologist out with full level up counters. So I'm getting a turn after each opponent's turn. Yeah, you're getting extra turns like between me and Nick in rotation. Right. Tony's dead at this point. So the turn order that's about to happen is Nick's turn had just ended. It's going into my turn. I take a whole bunch of damage. Then it's going into Sam's turn. And then I'm going to take two turns after that. And then it's going to go back to Nick. So I go into my turn. I go through my upkeep and I get left at one life. So in my next turn, I'm dead in my upkeep. Yep. I'm dead Unless Nick dies. Or you break the deal. No, no, no. In order for Nick to die, 
I don't have enough damage on board. In order for Nick to die, I need to do stuff. Hmm. I need to play Interesting. creatures. Interesting. I need to play creatures oh, in order. Is that? Yeah. Yes. Are you sure about that? Yes. This is the case. <laughs> it didn't in seem order like for that Nick in the to moment. die, I had no ability to kill Nick with what I had going on. Like a true betrayer of friends. <laughs> so, like, cast his parry in a direct conflict but with the deal I have that a he green, has made. A green creature in my hand that will draw me cards. Yeah. Uh, if I play it. Also, since I'm dead on my next upkeep and Nick is dead on his next mm. upkeep and Sam is not dead on his next upkeep, I'm going to win. Sam will just need to pass in order to win the game. Yeah. So that's all true. Mm. For me, I'm either definitely losing or breaking a deal five turns after it was made. You're either a deal breaker or winning the game. And and my deal breaking <laughs> does not does not remove the way that Sam basically wins. No yeah, it just what. it just removes friendships. You the know? thing <laughs> is that you also justified it in that if you didn't break the deal, you'd be king making by handing me the win. Mm. You were like, I'd be king making right now if I yes. didn't try to kill Nick because yeah, I would just be handing the win to Sam. But I was just going to kill you on my turn anyways. So even if you killed Nick and survived, you're like you're still dead. But Sam, I said that because I knew I was in the wrong. <laughs> exactly. I, this, I know. I said this I know. because I knew I was doing That's the wrong thing. That's why I'm bringing thing. it up. And it was, was all this attempted justification it was, from it was Michael like right the end, now. you killed Nick. And I was like, well, didn't you just king make me anyways? And you were like, yeah, sort yeah. of. And then the yeah. game was just over. It's like, it's like I, I would say that this is a gray area, but it's is the it? gray mm. that is like one hex value away from black. <laughs> so it's like pretty clearly wrong, but it's like, well, but like it didn't change. Like, it's fine. <laughs> it didn't change anything. So I did wrong. I did wrong. I know that you guys know it. I don't think I did the worst wrong in the world. Oh, no, you I did. did. You're a wrong. betrayer I of friends. Yeah, we can never look at you the same. As far as deal breaking goes, I think it's pretty mild because, I, you know, your boy still got the W. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I was pretty shocked, man, mostly yeah. just because I feel like you're the kind of person to hold the deal uh, and even lose with a deal. You know I what I mean? I typically am. I, I think that is the other thing. Like we talk about this and and I hope you guys can accept that I'm talking about this, but we talk about like well, social credit. You. We talk about like social credit <laughs> a little bit in a pod. Like when you're playing with people consistently, you kind of build this like social and political credit. Yeah. And my credit took a hit. <laughs> I, I didn't a take a hit. It's, it's zero. It's been, it's been crushed. <laughs> my, my credit took a hard. It sure maybe it Real took a hard it, hit. It takes for a Tony. lot to build those up, and then in one moment can all be gone but here's the thing here's the thing and 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 maybe i'm wrong maybe this is maybe not this is not the truth but i kind of believe right now that if we're in a game in the future and sam's looking for a mortgage and everyone's got a shit one and mine is really nice and i promise i won't deal break there's there's a non-zero chance that might we might still be able to come through and I'll be able to prove that I'm nah, not going to nah, break bro. that deal. And then we're good. I don't know. It's, I'll it's tell you right now, it's, it's a zero. 
The next time you talk about me doing a fucking misplay, I'm just going to be like, but this kid's a fucking deal breaker. So, like, you can't even trust him anymore. <laughs> All right, Kingmaker, let's not get too high on the horse here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, hold on over there. Hold on. <laughs> the only one who's truly perfect is me. So let me cast the judgment, mm. Tony. <laughs> but anyway, now that we've taken a tangent to the tangent, do we circle yeah. back to the actual story that we haven't even started talking about? Let's, hell yeah, we do. Do we remember it? Yeah, Ga- Guy Fieri and Gal Gadot. How oh, can yeah. we not remember? Right, let's get back oh, yeah, into Guy it. Guy Fieri yeah. betrayed Gal Gadot. Guy Fieri, Gal Gadot. Guy Fieri was not good at the game, a little inexperienced. Ended up taking out Gal. Played the Karn, thinking he would shut down other things. So, yeah. Yeah, and then just killed her when he didn't <laughs> when he shut down her stuff. <laughs> it is interesting seeing these players that have like pretty high power decks that don't really know how to pilot them. Like I feel like this is a thing that's happened as the pre-con power level has crept up and as also as like deck building has become more accessible and it's been like easier to staple together some really strong cards and make a pretty strong deck list. Yep. So I recently was playing a game and there was this like spell slinger deck and the person didn't totally know how to pilot it. And as you guys know, I'm not like a pro, but I'm not a total scrub, but I'm not like a fucking pro. But I was the one at the table that like knew what was going on. And I was like, they had like so many triggers going on the stack by casting one spell because they had mm-hmm. all sorts of different effects mm-hmm. out. Sounds awesome. And and, and it, wa- <laughs> it was awesome. They kept wiping the fucking board, which was not awesome. But like... <laughs> Like they would cast one spell and all of a sudden there's like all this damage stacked up that they were just doing to the people's face, to creatures, all these different things. But like it was that exact scenario of like they didn't really know how to order any of it because they're like, yeah, they just had these spells. And at one point they just like showed them to me and they're like, what do I do? And I was like, well, this destroys my board, but like this is what you do. <laughs> Good on sad, you, Tony. But like, but I, I, I totally think like to your point there, Mike, that's happening more and more of like it's very accessible to like build decks. Yeah. And some of them are just so synergistic now where like a pile of good cards just does that. It just like mm-hmm. starts popping off and you're like, I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Also, when you're new, it can be really confusing. Like a lot of the terminology in magic, I think when you're brand new to the game can be pretty confusing, especially when it comes to things that are like activated abilities, triggered abilities, triggered effects, you know, all these different like terms and like replacement effects and all that kind of stuff. Like Mm -hmm. the nuances of how those interact with each other can be kind of confusing. And especially when you're dropping something like a stacks piece, like Karn, I think stacks pieces, particularly specifically ones like Karn or Yasharn is another good example that like shuts down very specific things that can be kind of confusing like when it's actually going to happen or when it's Mm -hmm. not. I mean, once you get some experience and you know what your activated abilities are, like Karn does seem like a very simple card, but I could see a new player being like, oh, you have a bunch of artifacts on your board? Well, I'll play this thing that's anti-artifacts, and now I'm probably fucking you up. And when they're like, well, I actually don't have this very specific piece of text on my cards, so I'm actually fine. Like, that is a feel-bad as well. For listeners that don't know, Karn the Great Creator uh, is a planeswalker. It has a static ability on it that says activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated. Yeah. So this is exactly what Sam is talking about with you have an effect that 
seems like maybe that could apply to a lot of stuff like Mm -hmm. oh is tapping to attack activating my creature is blocking activating my creature are these effects that trigger on attack like this triggered ability is that an activation of that ability like all these things are really easy to get a little stumbled up on and you you don't really know them until you experience it or someone tells you or if you like get a really strong grip of the rules uh, in advance. So I I always like a bit of like grace and letting players talk through some of those moments, especially if they get perceived as kind of new, like you don't want to make someone feel bad for being new, but in that moment where they cast the car and maybe saying, Oh, interesting. Like I don't have any activated abilities, so it's not going to hinder me too much or, you know, Gal Gadot does have activated abilities because her (laughs) bracers of truth require uh, activating. So maybe you walk some of that back, but it's hard because you also want people to learn from like what happens when they do resolve that spell. Also, when someone is new and has a really spicy deck, it's hard to be like, well, are you a new player or do you just like not have a great grasp of the rules? Because there are people who've been playing for years and just don't have like a grasp of those small nuances in the rule set and have these spicy decks. And especially when you're up against like an Urza deck, are you like, well, am I really going to give some ground to this Urza player when they're totally stomping with value or, or have the potential to do that? I don't fault OP here on playing it through and just being like, yeah, you played the fucking wrong card. It's kind of a funny interaction. Let's just keep moving, you know? Right. But, but you could also have given them some grace, taking it back especially in a cash game that's like seems like untracked outside of the tournament, just sort of this fun game. You could probably walk that stuff back. We're talking through a little bit more for the record, future story submitters. uh, When you choose names, if they're, if you're using anonymous names, feel free to insert, you know, random actors and famous people. Cause I, I find it very funny that Mm -hmm. we're talking about Guy Fieri and Gal Cadeau and this. (laughs) Just little aside there, but just we should that do, just do that, Tony, because we're <laughs> yeah, the creative we'll ones. We're the creators. Mm. Also, also for the record, I I need to confess that I looked up. Uh, Wonder Woman's bracelets are not the bracers of truth. She has the lasso of truth. I wasn't going to call you on it. I wasn't either, but I you appreciate yourself, that, guys. So. Yeah, but I think we've covered. I'm a deal breaker. I need to be. <laughs> I need to be called out on just all my getting, shit. Apparently, just getting that social so. credit back. <laughs> <laughs> it's the actually the bracelets of submission oh wow it's fucking wow kinky yeah Who interesting <laughs> yeah very interesting <laughs> okay what do we think about the salt rating here this seems like a pretty playful salt to me it doesn't seem like there were a lot of bad feels here it just seems kind of like a funny situation and really just somebody not knowing what something does you know, I could see a bit of salt maybe from Gal Gadot's side, probably a bit of salt with Guy Fieri, just because he's seasoning like his great burgers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I can envision that moment at the table where someone is like, oh, I got something for this. And they just play something that doesn't do anything. And you're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Our hopes were rested on your shoulders and yeah. nothing fucking happened. <laughs> <laughs> To me, it feels kind of like a lot of salt, mostly because like deal breakers are really, you know, 
I hate them. I hate no those kinds broke. of people. No I hate people that do that. Like, yeah, it, there's it, no it deal breaking. Like it, it's the there's no it, deal breaking in the story. No, no it, it feels like that that happened. <laughs> the, the deal feels like it was there, you know, subconsciously, and so yeah, I, I feel for Gal Gadot. Yeah, it's really hard when your friend just like you know turns around and you were dead. Tony. Knife in. You were already dead. I was not dead when the deal was broken. I don't think you were dead when the deal. I was don't broken. think so. You were, I was I just I was dead order. basically you were on the next turn. Dead. You were 100% dead when you the deal were fully, was broken. You were already dead. You had been died. The only game action you were taking was talking mad smack. When that, that that's <laughs> how bad the deal was broken that I felt it when I was already the eliminated from the game. The landscape of the game had altered drastically. Tony was dead. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that drastic of an alter. <laughs> All of that happened in like the same turn. No, 100 no. Like you were me super dying, dead. Nick basically dying. All that <laughs> oh, happened within like three minutes. Like you two, like had like a couple of things after. But I'm saying like that end bit, like all was like very quick. Mike's a deal breaker, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I accept my penance. All right, how about another salty story? <laughs> we better. This one comes to us from Reddit, our little place. The place that we go to sometimes. We go there every once in a while. Reddit. Reddit. And this one comes to us from user Circular Ref. And if you guys see user Circular Ref around the subreddits, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. Said it right this time. Thank you. And the post is titled, Need some advice on playing with diverse playgroups, power level, and experience. And the post goes, We have a playgroup that has experienced players that like to play decks at a power level 7 to 8. They proxy everything and play with a healthy dose of salty power staples in all their decks. Examples, Dockside in a Blink deck, Karmic Justice and Humility in an Enchantress deck, etc. Some powerful shit going on here. I prefer to play a bit down on power level, like 6 to 7, and skip expensive staples because I purchased my cards but I have felt obligated to add some of these types of staples in order to keep pace. This small power imbalance recently got worse when a new player was added to our group. The new player usually uses one of my decks, which are a bit more straightforward creature-based battle cruisers versus the enchantment and synergy-heavy complex power eights of my peers. This further exacerbates the power level difference, which makes for some unbalanced games, unfun gameplay. Example, last time I started to pull away, the Enchantress deck played Humility, and the game screeched to a halt. Here's what I think my options are to improve the experience for the collective group. Add removal or run control-based decks to eliminate problematic cards like Dockside, Ristic Study, Smothering Tithe, Humility, etc., even if it is to the detriment to my strategy. Ask them to rule zero some of the oppressive staples, which I don't think one guy was open to. Add cards that focus on balancing effects like Peer's Whim to help the new guy out more. Arms race by adding these staples to my decks. Ultimately, I think our definitions of fun may differ. Theirs is to do broken, powerful stuff, and they hate when anybody messes with their board. Mine is to keep it a bit more casual, focus more on combat-based interactions, and ensure our new player has a fighting chance. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. There's a couple different things here. I mean, I think the first thing that jumps out to me is I don't think the difference between a power level six deck and a power level eight deck is really that big of like an insurmountable gap. 
We've talked about this a million times. The power level system is busted. It does not make sense. Everybody has a different definition of their decks. But I think if you are struggling so hard to play in the same space as those other decks, I would hazard a guess that the power level gap between your decks and their decks is much larger than you actually think it is. You know, like pre-con level to like combo control deck. You know well, what I mean? It, it kind of seems like they're close enough that this player acknowledges that they can play some games and maybe take one or two, but just that it's like, you know, a bit substandard. Like maybe yeah. instead of the expected 25% win rate, they're at like the 10 to 15% win rate, you know, mm-hmm. which like a slightly worse deck will still like score some wins here and there just through kind of the randomization of commander games. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think those aren't quite the only options like there is this sentiment that's being pushed by this post of like a deck with the staples in it is innately a better deck Mm -hmm. which isn't always true like it's easier to build a good deck by using staples but it's not the only way to build a really strong deck like you can skip the staples and, and end up with something stronger particularly if your commander like leans into that or something like Feather does not need to run all the staples that people are running in Boros yeah. colors. Like Zada, the Hedron Grinder, then also like the Gruul uh, something friend. I always forget what her name is. Hans? No, the the <laughs> monster, the, the combat trick one in Gruul. Like, I guess those are all combat trick commanders, but... I don't know what you're saying. You do. <sighs> the fight one? Like wolf one? No, I think what Mike is saying here is that you can have commanders that don't run these staples and still like absolutely whip ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. there are some decks that just don't need those staples. And for those commanders, for those other decks, like random jank is just incredibly powerful in those decks. And like a Blanca deck with like some really great cantrip uh, combat tricks will outrun just like a Ristic study that's jammed in any old deck that doesn't get a shit ton of value off right. of it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. or, or can outrun it. Like Ristic study is very powerful. Not to say that it's, it isn't. It feels like a deck that has humility in it though. It, it's, it's more of like a, it is powerful. Maybe sort of saying the same thing, but it's like, it's more about the consistency. Like yeah. they can get humility out probably whenever they need it. And so like they're popping it out or like designed to do it like quickly, like, because those are usually tutor cards. Mm-hmm. Those cards are usually expensive. And I guess I, I feel for the person if like they're like, oh, I like to not proxy things. Mm-hmm. And then I've got these friends who are proxying like all these cards that it's like the imbalance happens there a, a little bit. And it's not yeah. the only way to fix it. But I can see how that could like cause a problem of consistency is what mm-hmm. I would guess of like they can consistently get the things out when they need it. And you feel like you can't quite stop yeah. it as consistently uh yeah, without swapping in like right. 10 to 15 cards that just are some of those like immediate answer type things that are usually tutors in and of themselves yeah another thing you could do would be to try and set like budget levels for certain decks you know like hmm. and they they still don't need to buy those cards but if you set like a 50 dollars budget for a deck and then you all make one at that budget level uh, they can still proxy them so that they don't have to spend the money. You can still get the cards probably more accessibly than like mm-hmm. the full expensive deck that you're trying to buy up. And then you just get like not a perfect balancing of power levels, but you can you can start to get things that will even things out a little bit or at least force them to use 
other cards that are more interesting and presenting it as a budget challenge is a little more effective than like, what if you guys built one without running those staples? Because yeah. like, people will be like, what do you mean those staples? What card do I have to take out? Like, why do I have to rule zero ban these cards? It's like you pseudo ban them by making them just not fit within the budget constraints of a deck. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a good, a good option. I, I think like, just general advice of trying to carve out some more defined power levels within your own group. Like you're talking about seven and eights and six and sevens. And I, I kind of talked about that already. To me, it sounds like you have a mid power and a high power casual situation going on in your pod where you want to play more mid power. They want to play more high power. Well, I would say consider making a high power deck yourself and then ask them if they can make a mid power deck. Just be like, Hey, you know, the gameplay hasn't been super balanced. We've got a new player here. I think it would benefit all of us if we had some mid power where I could do my fun mid power stuff. You guys could try to break mid power as best you can. And then we have like a safe space for a new guy to play in where they feel comfortable. And then in turn, you also build something that punches up a little bit stronger and kind of meet them on that level. Uh, that's something that we do where we have like high and mid power casual kind of as like softly defined barriers in our own group and we play within those when we can and it makes for pretty good experiences the other thing i'll say is this thing about like removal you have this option about like adding removal and running more of a control-based deck to eliminate those problem cards i think that there is something to be said for playing into your meta and knowing what your meta is going to bring and building your deck in such a way to deal with that I don't think mm -hmm. you need to jam your deck full of control pieces and counter Dockside every single time it comes down or, you know, always pop the Ristic study. But if you know that someone plays Humility pretty much every game and that card absolutely fucks up your strategy, have a little bit more enchantment removal in your deck. And when you draw that enchantment removal card, sit on it. Sit on it for a little bit, you know, because that Humility probably will pop up at some point especially if they're tutoring it and they have that deck consistency, like Tony said, and now you're ready. Don't view that as a detriment to your strategy because covering your weaknesses in a deck is part of the strategy that like informs your strategy and reinforces what your deck is trying to do. Yeah, and it's your, it's your advantage, right? Like, you know, it's going to come down. So yeah. like put the answers you need to answer it when you need it answered so that like, they're probably expecting it to stick around, gets back to your turn. You're like, all right, well, I'm going to destroy it. Now I'm just going to fucking win. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a lot. Like one problem enchantment, add in like a couple flexible enchantment removal pieces. And humility is probably still going to hit the table and kick ass sometimes, but sometimes you'll have that answer for it ready. Yeah. You know, and it won't sometimes be Sometimes they'll spend four mana playing a humility and you'll pay one mana naturalizing it or whatever, whatever a one mana removal yeah. spell for it. Right. And then nature's claim or something. Yeah. Nature's yeah. claim. And then you're just up. You're just up on them. Yeah. So like consider that that is actually a strength of deck building and not something that's going to detract from your deck strategy. I mean, you could definitely just have a conversation with your play group and be like, hey, guys, is this like the nice environment where we want this new player to learn? Or can we like do some pre-con games or something like that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just think that like having a new player does put a different twist on this and you should have like a space for them to kind of like learn the ropes and play at a similar power level. So they just aren't being outclassed. But I don't totally. think you need to like 
follow that arms race. Like I have decks that run Ristic Study. I have decks that run Dockside. I have decks that run Smothering Tithe. And I lose with those decks. Like <laughs> pretty frequently. Like, yeah, with some <laughs> of them. Some of them, man. Like Alesha fucking loses all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, those are Except great when cards. you're pub stomping the patrons that yeah. he doesn't lose to them. <laughs> <laughs> cut his mic. Cut his mic. Because <laughs> Sam's every episode is like, let's just not even that good. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a pretty amazing game, man. I think fondly about that game. I don't think that deck has ever popped out harder than in that game. Uh it was really awesome. Um, but but seriously, like those cards don't make or break a deck. They are good. Like games do warp when the smothering tithe hits. It warps a bit when a Ristic study hits. Uh, obviously humility is a weird stacks piece and it's going to fuck up your day. Yeah. But you don't need to run that stuff to go toe to toe. And I mean, I, I don't think that it has any amount of imbalance in our play group. I mean, would you guys say that those cards drive a ton of power imbalance? I don't think that they do. No. And I think we also manage it by when someone lands one of those high value staples, they are acknowledged as being a problem at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I do think in general, like it's harder to get someone to power down decks that they have already. And it's going to be easier saying things like, what if we all got pre-cons? What if we built these budget decks? Like getting someone to make a change to a deck to make their deck worse is really, really hard. But getting someone to build a slightly worse kind of level of deck, that's that's much more attainable. Yeah. Well said, Mike. Yeah. Well, what do we think about the salt rating here? To me, this is pretty like mid salt, um, mm-hmm. maybe like one salt packet. You know, those salt packets that are so packed with salt. It's like the two tubes that they're almost like hard and you like pop the yeah. top off. It, this is like a small packet of salt, but it's hard with salt. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. almost about to pop. But I think yeah. this is kind of like playgroup growing pains and mm-hmm. It's definitely highlighted by the fact that you have a new player hanging out with you as well. I think if you didn't have that new player, it would just be like, hey, there's sort of this power imbalance thing that I want to deal with. But you're also trying to look out for the new guy, which which I, I think is a good instinct to have. But I don't think this is big salt. This this feels very solvable, very surmountable. And I think if you can get through this and diversify your meta a little bit, I think that that is just going to lead to a more interesting play experience for all of you. Yeah, definitely. Well, whoa, settle down. <laughs> well, is it that time of the week? Uh, I think it is that time of the week. Sure, do you hope it is? Samuel, tell me about it. What kind of time would it be? I think it's the time of the week where, well, it comes every week. Let me, let me not get ahead yeah, of myself. I mean, obviously, it does, yeah, it does. fucking every goddamn week. Like, yeah, it's the time of the week where we say, Mike, 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 Mike. What's the salty card of the week? Salty card of the week this week. He's a salt maker, deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh man. I don't know how the rest of the song goes, but I know that part goes like yeah, that. It's, it gets <laughs> the message like across. <laughs> the salty card of the week this week is what happens when you break a deal. It is catastrophe. Ooh. <laughs> How appropriate. Is that red? No, it is four and two white for sorcery. Urza's Saga. Always great. 
destroy all lands or all creatures. Creatures destroyed this way cannot regenerate this turn. Weird. Wait, mm-hmm. sorry. So you as the caster chooses. Yeah, the caster yeah, chooses gotcha. here. Six mana, destroy all lands or all creatures. It's a modal mm-hmm. wipe, but just lands or yeah. just creatures. It's two more for Wrath of God or Armageddon. Yeah, that's interesting. It is. How do you feel about this one, Sam? Well, I mean, it's land destruction, so we know that land destruction can be like pretty rough to play into. Mm-hmm. I think it would probably make me salty, like all the other land destruction stuff we've talked about. It would make me salty if somebody destroyed the lands and didn't have a way to break parity after that moment. Totally. Um, I don't think anyone is playing this in a deck to destroy all creatures. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's pretty safe to say. There are way better options to destroy yeah. all creatures uh, at six mana or below. Like if you're running it as a creature wipe, then why aren't you playing like farewell or anything else that is much better? That's you know? interesting. How do you feel, Tony? I think that a sick fuck who likes board wipes that wants you to feel good about it is like, well, I didn't blow up the lands would play this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, I just did the creatures. Yeah, you fuck. You either give me one middle finger or you give me two middle fingers. Like, I don't like this card, but like, <laughs> it's no surprise there that I wouldn't like this card. Yeah. I do kind of agree with what Sam's saying. But I feel like there's a lot of like better options than this for like these kinds of uh, effects mm-hmm. uh, as a whole. But if somebody's a real dick and it's just making like, you know, like a land destruction deck and putting everything in there that they can, that's land destruction. I could see him running this. I think this is like a very interesting moment in the lore as well. I'm not like a super Magic the Gathering lore head, but mm-hmm. I think this is when Urza destroys the plane of Sarah or something like that. Doesn't like mm-hmm. Sarah's plane get destroyed by Urza? I think it at some does. Point? I think it might be that. I think this is like that moment on a card. Wild. Yeah. What do you think about this, Mike? I actually think that you guys are really underrating the modal aspect of this card. You sick fuck. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I actually think deal breaker. Deal breaker. I, I actually think that theoretically, <laughs> this theoretically somebody get about. <laughs> this should generally be less salty than either of the other pure options. Because if you're ahead on board, you wipe the lands right so you should only be using the land wipe part in a place where you're somewhere you can try and like close hmm. the game out you know like yeah, yeah. oh i'm ahead on but board. you gotta make a deal first that you won't do it and then yeah you yeah fucking it's like oh yeah, and then you break Tony, the i won't touch your lands the and, then you touch, <laughs> and you touch the lands before we even play the game you say you're not allowed to play this yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> right if uh if you're behind on board then it's a board wipe and you're evening things out, which, yeah, your mm. opponents aren't going to like getting their stuff removed because that's advantageous for you. But I think this is like way less likely to be someone just saying, F, screw it, I'll kill all the lands than like an Armageddon, which that's mm. all they're ever going to be able to mm. do. Yeah, that I mean, that's a really good point. I, it sounds I like somebody trying to justify that. putting this in their next deck. Yeah. <laughs> Next deck. <laughs> uh, this card is only a buck twenty. Yeah, it's Tony, cheap, I'm putting in all of my white decks right now. It's super cheap. I mean, that honestly is pretty good justification. I will say though that like six mana is still like pretty so rough steep. for a wipe. It's so steep. And usually when you're hurting and you need like a creature wipe, you want it to be a little bit lower mm-hmm. so you can catch up. You know. Yeah. Hmm. I, I got issues with the cost on it, but 
I, I think that's a pretty good justification for running it though, Mike. Where does it sit on the list? That is the question. Yeah, Mike, where where is this on the list? Well, why don't you uh, take a guess? 55. Tony. Nice. Tony. Nice. Nice joke. Nice joke. But why did you <laughs> vote? Why did you guess? Because I could see what was about to happen. I could tell that Sam and I were about to like stare at each other until I said it. And so I was like, I'll just say it. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to fuck myself over here because land destruction is usually higher on the list, but I think I'm going to go 60 and aim for low. It is 83. So Sam takes it again. Oh, baby. Yeah. You know, I actually was going to go a lot deeper. But because I know like people hate landfall so much and board wipes, I, I assumed it would be a little bit further down. Mm-hmm. You know what a catastrophe is, Tony? Your win record in this game, <laughs> baby. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tony. <laughs> Disregard him. Thank you. Got him. Um... <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up for our salty card of the week. Well, thanks, Mike. That was a lovely salty card. And thank you to our dear prospectors out there for tuning into another episode of the howling salt mine podcast if you want more howling salt mine join our patreon patreon.com slash howling salt mine jump into our discord we're playing monthly games with our monthly game night we got pods rolling up together every week now we have a thriving deck list forum where we have i think like over 300 deck lists in there it's it's like kind of insane there's a shit ton in there and the <laughs> decks are spicy Uh, it's pretty cool. We're talking about spoilers, talking about food. We're talking about our pets. We're just chilling. We're just communitizing. It's great. Come on in. And if you join at a higher tier, we also have bonus content. I think right now we have over 26 stray grain episodes. I think it's like three hours of stray grains. Um, up there. Really? Is it really? I didn't realize we'd gotten so far up there. Stray Grains is our short form show where it's all the tangents, all the little bits that don't make it into the final cut that we have to like cut for time, uh, but we still think are funny. So, you know, it kind of covers a wide variety of topics, usually food, games or something that's going on in Tony's life. Yeah, me raging about something. (laughs) (laughs) We also have our Extra Salt show, which is our monthly additional bonus show that comes out. It breaks away from our typical format of this show, and we're doing deck techs. We're talking about like salty moments from our past, doing Q&A, how we got into the game, different things like that. And again, I tallied this up the other day, and we have over 10 hours of extra salt content right now that you can listen to right now. Nice. Wow. Also, if you want to get some merchandise, like we said at the top of the show, we have our new website, howlingsaltmine.com, where you can get some custom dragon shields with the howling salt mine logo on it more stuff to come there we also have our bonfire store where you can get a myriad amount of t-shirts to represent the brand wear to your lgs show people how cool you are at friday night magic it's one t-shirt for each of your opponents it really is yeah and it actually is like that's how many we have (laughs) (laughs) and if you have a salty story that you want on a future episode of the howling salt mine email it to us or use our awesome submission page on our website and we'll put it into our queue and read it on a future episode. We want to hear your salty stories, salty confessionals, stories where you made your friends salty, stories where they made you salty, anything you got, 
send it our way, and we'll pop it into our big, amazing, highly organized tracker where we keep all this stuff in. <laughs> we definitely don't make mistakes on it. Um, or it definitely doesn't take me 15 minutes to like find the post that we're gonna do for every episode. Another thing you can do is give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app of choice. If you haven't done that, that is something that really does help small creators. I know people always say like, like, comment, subscribe and stuff like that. But those reviews do actually elevate you in the algorithm for all those different podcast apps or Spotify or what have you. So it helps little shows like us get noticed and it really is useful. And lastly, we got to shout about our amazing podcast artist, J.D. Burnett. If you are ever in Asheville, North Carolina, hit him up and get a tattoo. He is a really awesome dude. And dozen subscribers are bust. And I think that's it, guys. That's all she wrote. Stay salty, everybody. And don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling Sofa. The Howling Sofa. Oh. I also listened to the new intro and I hate it, but I, I don't think I'll ever like it because I don't like change. And like, I've, I've like, I, I really mean that. Like, I, I don't like it, it, but I, I don't think I, I will we like have it. To change it. We have, do to, we change have to change it. Why do yes. we have to change it? Cause we don't take posts from the subreddit. When someone like other than Nick says it, then we have to change it. Let's just keep it the same. I'll say it. I have to say, I think I did a pretty good, mirror image recording of that except for the one word is. difference it definitely I did, I did is. like six takes i don't know oh, if no. that's making it worse <laughs> or better definitely i mean i was listening to it and i was like that's <laughs> the different. same way that's the thing is when you listen to something you know fucking 120 times, or times. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> much it's been, like so many times like when it's the slight bit different, you're like, Ugh. <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying I won't. I don't think I'll ever like it. But... Well, you can quit. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> your face. Um... Nice seeing you guys. I... <laughs> <laughs> you guys are not recording, right? We we yeah. are recording, so you will be in this likely. Yeah, you're in it. You're in it now. <laughs> you're in it now for sure. Definitely in the bloopers. Well, because Louise was over on the fucking couch, and I, I you were just upstairs. So I was trying to give, I tried to give her some love, you know. So okay. Tony, stop fighting. <laughs> you can shut it now. Okay. It's fine. He demands she shuts the door. Holy shit! It's fine. Oh my god! Wow, Tony. Oh my god! You guys literally suck ass. <laughs> um. <laughs>